We don't want to win arguments. We want to win brothers and sisters who love and serve our Savior to the fullness of the faith. Authority is for service, and particularly those who are low and weak. The New Testament is what is concealed in the Old, and the Old Testament is what is revealed in the New. Church has always taught us the meaning of life. You don't have to go to a psychologist to find out. You don't have to find out who you are. You just got to go to the church, and the church teaches us. Who made me? God made me. Why did God make me? This is the meaning of life. If we could only realize the power that is released in every Mass, it is the power to move heaven and earth and to change the course of history. You're listening to the Catholic Lab Podcast. If you like what you hear, consider subscribing to our podcast and do well to support via the link in the show notes. live on this episode on clubhouse this is our second live session on clubhouse and with me today is a priest uh, of the roman catholic church father please can you introduce yourself before i introduce the topic of discussion today okay thank you so much richard i'm victor bme reverend father uh, a priest of the catholic diocese of undo um i think that's beautiful i don't know <laughs> <laughs> okay that's beautiful thank you father yeah. thank you for accepting this invitation yes. And today our discussion will be about our blessed mother and the reason why i'm bringing up this discussion today is that very soon month of october we have october devotion and as catholics we're expected to in a special way honor the blessed virgin mary and also saint joseph as well and i feel there are lots of our protestant brothers and sisters who oppose the catholic teachings about mary and Sometimes when we look at it ourselves, if we were to be outside the Catholic Church, you might have problems with some teachings, with some explanations. Like if I hear somebody say, Mary is the mother of God, the very immediately I hear that, I think I want to throw the person a Bible or something. So we are here today to break down all the teachings of the church as, as many as we can go. And I'm sure we can't do everything. Uh, so we just break them down and see how we can make meaning of them and what is expected of us as Catholics as well. So, to begin with Father, why do Catholics pay so much attention to the Blessed Virgin Mary, as many would say? Um, For some, they feel that we pay attention to Mary even at the detriment of Jesus Christ himself who saved us. Yeah, we need to pay attention to the Blessed Virgin Mary because, um, like you said before, she's the mother of God. And then she played a very major role in our salvation history. You know, so um, unlike what they call her, uh, the Protestants, some Protestants and uh, and even um, some uh, Pentecostals say she's just an envelope. She's not an envelope, you know. She's a... uh, more than envelope she she played a major role in our salvation history and she herself even prophesied you know she prophesied in a magnificent you know sometimes i don't know why people cannot just go straight to the bible to check all these things out she prophesied herself filled with the holy spirit she said all generations will call me blessed everyone will speak about me you know so uh we need to pay attention to her because in paying attention to her we know much about her son whom 
actually she gave to us. Hmm. Okay. Knowing Mary yeah. to know more about Jesus Christ who saved exactly. us. Uh, the next question I want to ask, what are the dogmas of the Blessed Virgin Mary according to the Catholic Church and what are dogmas to begin with and why are they even important at all that we pay attention to them? Okay, dogmas are not uh, many Catholics when you ask them to define dogmas. They say that uh, dogmas are things that you cannot understand, you know, when they want to, an escapist, an escapist way of defining things. Okay. Just as you want to, well, how many persons define mystery? Say mystery is something we cannot understand. That is completely wrong. Okay. Dogmas are teachings of the church. They are revealed truths. Mm. That's very important. They are revealed truths from God defined by the church. So they are revealed truths from God defined by the church. Okay. So what are yeah. the dogmas? Of the blessed virgin mary which we mean revealed truth yes there are four dogmas stating mary's personal relationship with god and our role in human salvation uh these dogmas uh i should uh mention immediately they are stating mary's personal relationship with god and our role in human salvation and they are number one a title as mother of god a perpetual virginity immaculate conception and an assumption into heaven Okay. There are four dogmas. Okay. Yes. So to pick the first two one, Mary as mother of God. Yes. This is this is offensive to me as a non-Catholic. No, how will you call Mary okay. the mother of God? <laughs> so Father, yeah. can you break that down? What do you mean when you say Mary is the mother of God? And most importantly, where do you find that in the Bible? Okay, uh Mary, the mother of God, uh, like you said some some pentecostals and Prote- i don't like to say protestants generally because some protestants believe very well in the blessed virgin mary and they they hold that in such way we hold that too okay you know some pentecostals call it mariolatry or you know blasphemy to say mary is the mother of god but that is completely wrong i, I was trying to look for a quote earlier but i can't find it now you know uh one of the saints said you know uh okay fontunshin as Bishop fontunshin said you know Many persons are offend, or many persons find some things in the Catholic Church offensive, not because they understand those things, but because you know some kind of hearsay, you know. Mm. So Mary, as the mother of God, was first. Mary was first called Theotokos, I think, in Ephesus, uh, four thirty-one AD. Okay. That's the first, yes in Ephesus. She was first called uh, Theotokos, Mary, mother of God. In fact, it was a popular acclamation in the city. And this, uh, this, uh, this naming, if you like, uh, I mean, it's not something that was just uh, discovered. But this acclamation, you know, began with the heresy of Nestorus, who tried to split the, the the natures of Jesus and the persons of Jesus. You know, denying the fact that Mary is the mother of God, but claiming that Mary is the mother of the human Jesus. But not the mother of the divine Jesus, you know. That's a story for another day, maybe. Okay. So that's why, in the town of, in fact, to describe it very dramatically, in the town of Ephesus, there was a wide acclamation. And if you remember, on the cross in John 19, uh, Jesus Christ handed Mary over to John, uh, son, behold yes. your mother, mother, behold your son. And the Bible said right there, Mary moved into the house of John. And we were told that John lived in Ephesus. So that's why Ephesus is called the town of Mary or the city of Mary. And that's where that loud acclamation was made, uh, was made Theotokos. And uh, it was also the, the town that hosted the council that resolved it. Okay, what do you mean by Mary, mother of God? Okay. It's a simple mathematics. If you will agree that Jesus is the son of God, then who gave birth to Jesus? Mary. 
And so Mary is the mother of God. I mean, this is a simple thing that everybody should understand. But because some persons will still find that very offensive and difficult, there are so many biblical references that point to it, you know. <laughs> For a child will be born, uh, Isaiah 9 verse 6, you know that story. A child will be born, a son given to us, authority rests on his shoulder. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Hmm. Mighty this God. son will be That's called fine. Mighty God. Okay. And this son has a mother. You know, if I go back to Gen- go back to uh, Isaiah seven verse fourteen, it said, "A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel." What is the meaning of Emmanuel? God. God. With us. Okay. Now go back to Genesis three verse fifteen. You know the Proto Evangelium, where you know it was first uh, the the first passage about Blessed Virgin Mary, a, a woman you know we strike the head of a, you know the woman and the, and a offspring. You know, bruising or striking the head of the serpent. You know that story very yes, well. Yeah. So we go further. We go to uh, Luke chapter one, verse twenty-eight. You know, and the angel came and said, "Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with you. Uh, uh, blessed are you among women." You know, and the angel, you remember, told Mary that you shall conceive and bear a son, and the son shall be called the son of the who, the Most High, Matthew. And this son will cleanse the sins of his people. Matthew one twenty one. Okay. You know, aha. And then we have also Elizabeth herself filled with the Holy Spirit. And you have to take you have to take care of all these things because these things are not just statements. They are. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit just when Mary came into Elizabeth's home in Luke chapter one. The two babies in the womb, le- the, uh, John leapt for joy. The two babies, the two babies of salvation, began to communicate because there was something bigger. So Jesus entered, God entered, you know. And then the, Bi- the Bible told us that right there, filled with the Holy Spirit, both of them begin to prophesy. Began to prophesy, and the first prophecy Elizabeth said, "He said, Who am I that the mother of my Lord to come to me? To mm. come to me? Mm. You know." Mary herself will now say, For God has regarded the low estate of his handmaiden, for behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. Even God the Son on the cross, on the cross, when he was dying, called Mary my mother. Mother, behold your son. Remember? Yeah. Son, behold your mother. Now let's jump to Revelation chapter 12. The, 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 the revelation of that woman clothed with the son. And listen, and she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was snatched away and taken to God to this to his throne. You know? And then we move further to Revelation 12, verse 17. It continues. The dragon was happy, it was angry with the woman, and then you know, was uh, and went off to make war on the rest of her children, those who kept the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus. And we can go on and on and on. If we even enter the typology of the Ark of the Covenant, you will understand how Mary becomes the mother of the mother of God. Christ had both the divine and the human nature. Remember? Yeah. You remember? Yes. Sir. Christ had both the divine and human nature. You know, that's the heresy in the stories was trying to. But Christ has both the human and divine nature. And Mary is the mother of both Christ. You know of of the two natures in the person of Christ. In fact, Mary is the is the mother of the person of Christ. One person, two natures. So she she is not just the mother of a person. She's, she's not, not the just mother the mother of the human nature. Like she's the, the mother of the full nature. person. 
exactly because there's mm. no time the human nature was severed from the divine nature so i think with with that explanation we can say that we have a strong point for mary being the mother of god that when we say mary is the mother of yes. god we don't mean the mother of the eternal godhead that she existed before even the world was created but in relation to our lord jesus christ himself who is uh-huh. true god and true man and true true man true god oh, yeah. okay okay thank yeah. you father yeah. so father yeah. let's move now to the next dogma of the blessed virgin mary the immaculate okay. conception okay. What, what do we mean by the immaculate conception uh immaculate conception i mean literally as it's uh, uh the is that mary was conceived without sin mary was conceived immaculately okay you see uh it's it's uh, many people get it wrong sometimes the immaculate conception is about mary are you there yes right. so it's about mary not um not not jesus christ so it mary was conceived without sin and this was defined in ineffabilis deus ineffabilis deus uh deus 8th of december 1854 by Pope Pius the the 9th i think you okay. know and it's a privilege and this privilege again uh it's a privilege in fact i like to say immaculate conception began everything so to say because it's a privilege and the privilege is in view of mary becoming the mother of god and i take you back to luke chapter one already when uh, the angel greeted uh is it hail full of grace now kekarito mena if you go back to the greek to the greek meaning of that it's not that mary was mary was graced is graced and will forever be graced so it's a defined it's a defined statement you know that Mary is uh, full of grace, free from sin. Mary is free from sin, both original and then uh, uh, venial sin that will come or any actual sin. Mm. And again, there are so many places in the scriptures that confirm this okay. about Mary. And like I said, uh, it, it's, it's mainly because uh, Mary was to be the mother of God. And because Mary was to be the mother of God, she had to be free from every kind of original sin whatsoever. Are you okay with that or you want me to speak further? Um, yeah, Father, you speak further, but I want to ask this question. Okay. You said the dogma was defined in 1854 and the question comes to yes. mind. That does it mean this was when the church started to believe about the Immaculate Conception? It was just defined then. Okay. That does not mean that that's when the church began to, you know, to, to, to believe these these things have been there right from the beginning okay. right from the beginning definitely uh-huh. but okay. it was defined because okay it had to be put forward but put forward you know in an official document and thoughts okay okay exactly yeah. thank you father so something comes yeah. to my mind when discussing immaculate yeah. conception the blessed virgin mary was spotless mm-hmm. so as to yes. bring forth our lord jesus christ he had to come out yes. of a body that had no sin so how yes. possible will it be for Mary's mom to have brought her forth if her own body was sinful? Would it mean that Saint Anne himself had to be spotless in order to bring forth the spotless Blessed Virgin Mary? No, it doesn't have to go ad infinitum. Okay. Because of all these persons in the past, none of them was greeted with such greeting. You know? And that's why dogmas are not just human constructions. They're not just human constructs. They're not just because we want to sit down and, like I said, they are revealed truths. You know, mm. none of these things was spoken about in such manner as Mary was, and none of them was greeted by an angel as Mary was. None of them was so specially prepared. In fact, Galatians chapter four, verse four says, "At the appointed time, God broke into history through a woman." 
Are you getting it? Yes, sir. So it doesn't have to go ad infinitum. Yeah, the lineage of Jesus was traced and always has been traced. And it's a very beautiful story of about four women who, you know, have so so many stories in their lives. You know, uh, the, the, some of them were Richard and then, the, you know, I mean, Rahab and other people. But it doesn't need to go ad infinitum. But God can do anything he has to. I mean, that's the same look that the one says, for everything is, impo- everything is possible to God. You know, so it has the point of Mary that God made such declaration. It was at that point that an angel came to Mary and there was a, deliv- a delivery of a message that brought about the history of, of salvation. Oh, okay. Yes. Christ came to yes. save us from our sin. That was like yes. the primary thing. And he died on yes. the cross to wash away our sin. If Mary was yes. conceived without original sin or actual sin, yes. does this mean that yes. the salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ doesn't apply to her? I feel this is another objection that can be raised no, from this. No, no, Lumen Gentium cha- no, chapter 8, Lumen Gentium, document of Vatican II about the church, chapter 8, even makes Mary the first member of the church. Mary is not above the church. Mary is the first member and the type of the church. So Mary is not outside the church. So Mary was saved. In fact, there is a term a theologian used, I've forgotten, as if Mary was saved like uh, pre before us. Okay, in a special way. So, in a special way, Mary was saved. Hmm. And like I said before, it was because of her son that she was saved. So Mary was not exempted, so to say, from that salvation Christ brought. Hmm. But she became the first fruit of that salvation. So Mary was saved even by her son. Okay. Now, another thing that I want, to, I want you to touch on before we move on to the next dogma about Mary yes. being born, uh, of being free of actual sins. You know, as a person, as Richard Oileke, I know what mm. it takes me to even follow our Lord Jesus Christ and not just commit mm-hmm. sin like 24 hours mm-hmm. a day. And mm-hmm. even the ones I commit, I continue to struggle with it in my thoughts. So mm-hmm. like the imagination or the idea that somebody lived this earth without committing mm-hmm. an actual sin is even strange to me. How How is this possible? Mm-hmm. And how did this correlate with Mary's free will as a person? Did she mm-hmm. have free will or was she just walking around as a robot like she couldn't just act otherwise? She had no other choice than not to sin. Uh, that your question is very beautiful and I love it. And I take you back to Mary herself. Okay. Remember, uh, when the angel gave Mary the message, Mary asked the same question you are asking. How will this be? I don't know any man. What was the angel's response? The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Hmm. And that is one of the most powerful statements in the whole of scripture. And that's why Benny Hinn, we say so many years after Benny Hinn, the famous American pastor, we say very soon, very later in one of his books, that when he gets to heaven, that she's, he's going to ask the Blessed Virgin Mary how she stood when the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. Because in the history of humanity, hmm. Mary is the only person who received the Holy Spirit in fullness. Wow. That's a Pentecostal pastor. You know, so Mary asked him, how would this be? Again, I go back it will be possible and it was possible and it's possible by the grace of god god's grace hmm. only by the grace of god and that's why for mary that grace was full kekarito menem was not used for anybody again in the whole of the scripture hmm. so, so mary it's, is it's not a just unique macarius. word it's a unique mary was not just macarius was not just blessed blessed was used mary was completely full of grace before during and after how would that have affected her free will will she be free even with the grace of god fully overpowering her overshadowing her will she still be free 
Exactly. Again, I take you back to I take you back to Luke chapter one, and that's why I say all these things are in the scripture. When the angel came to Mary and said, "These and these and this will happen to you," Mary had to comply. Mary had to express her free will, and that free was never taken away from her. Even the grace that was bestowed upon her. I know the angel said, "You have been graced." To the angel did not say, "Your grace will begin from now." The angel said, "Oh, highly favored one." I mean, that's a nice translation. Oh, can carry too many. Somebody who is completely graced. But even at that, Mary had to consent. And Mary said, be it done to me according to your word. So there is no reason why we should think that that free will was snatched away from her. Okay. Please to those in the room, thank you for taking our time tonight to be with us here. Briefly, I would like you to just click the green icon at the top of the page beside the Catholic Lab podcast. And that will take you to our page. Please make sure you are a member of the room. You can follow the room and follow the first person in the room as well, the admin, myself. And that will enable you to be able to get notifications for future programs like this on the Catholic Lab podcast. Thank you very much. So now, Father, we go on to the next dogma which we want to discuss. Perpetual virginity of Mary. What does this even mean? Okay. Uh, Yeah. Uh, the meaning is that Mary was a virgin uh, post pactum, ante pactum, and uh, I've forgotten the during pactum or something. I mean, I okay. just put an English word. I forgot <laughs> that Mary was a virgin before, during, and even after birth. She remained a virgin forever. Mm. Uh, that's the meaning. And again, uh, the immaculate and then uh, the perpetual virginity forms. Therefore, the theme. I want to read something out to you. Okay. Um, okay. Such was the work of the holy spirit who at the conception and birth of the son so favored the mother the virgin mother as to impact to our fecundity while preserving inviolate a perpetual virginity that is from one of the of the protestant reformers even in the in the 15th century so there are many examples in the old testament you know uh that describes mary you know i've talked about isaiah when i said a virgin we conceive okay the virgin is not just a maiden but a virgin we conceived conceive and uh, uh she remained a virgin because that not only have uh, it's not just a physical thing it's even it's even uh, it's even um, um theological it's even spiritual it's even you know like a virginity was broken if it's broken it's something like demeaning you know it's something mm-hmm. like a stain okay. it's an imperfection you know and then this woman has been so graced this woman has been graced uh, before during after and forever you know mm. even herself called herself a virgin say how am i how can this be since i'm a virgin a number of distinctly commentators including some thomas Aquinas, actually hold that the virgin mary had made a formal vow of perpetual virginity even together with joseph a vow of virginity would help explain why the virgin mary was so perplexed after the angel gabriel announced to her that she was about to bear the son also in contemporary Jewish custom, marriages was in two stages. The first stage of betrothal, when the marriage was effectively made, the Virgin Mary and Joseph had concluded the first stage. Sexual relationships after this point were not considered as fornication. So they were supposed to already uh, you know, be having sexual relationships because they was already they've already passed the first stage of uh, of marriage. Okay. But still the, the Virgin Mary is just saying, I'm still a virgin. I really, I'm, I'm, how can this be? Mm. You know, the second stage of marriage was the social formality of the public celebration. The Virgin Mary and St. Joseph, in all probability, 
had to forgo the second stage, you know, due to their flight to Egypt and so on and so forth, and not to impugn the validity of their marriage. So I'm saying that even some theologians say that Mary already pledged this virginity even, even in her marriage with Joseph. But even above that, above that, Mary remained a virgin. She was a virgin. She remained a virgin. And even during the birth of her child, the hymen and everything about her that makes her a virgin was not broken. Mm. She remained a virgin because, again, remember that um, a sexual relationship, like I said before, there is this theological, you know, thing that makes it uh, uh, some kind of imperfection. Okay. So she remained a virgin. And we know that Joseph had no marital relationship with her. Matthew 1 tells us that Mary uh, remained a virgin. They said until she gave birth to her son. But that until is not until in terms of English language. Okay, which means that possibly something happened afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Some Protestants try to object that the Bible said until a firstborn child. But that is even not correct. Because if that is the case, where are the other children of Mary? And how would Mary have other children? And then Jesus will be handing over to John and then other things will follow like that. So okay. Mary remained the virgin. That's what I'm saying, trying to say. Okay. So Father, you just yeah. mentioned something about Mary having other children. The Bible clearly yes. mentions brothers and sisters of Jesus in the scriptures and these words are clear. So yes. how come we interpret it in a whole different yes. light that Mary doesn't have other children? Okay. Yeah. Again, we go back to the Bible and then the Greek word used for brother and sister there is Adelpho, Adelphoi for the plural. Adelpho is Greek in the um, singular and Adelphe, you know. And these words or these words don't refer to biological brothers and sisters only. They refer to cousins. They refer to uh, families. And the Jewish culture so much resembles ours, you know. When you go abroad, for example, and then you meet a black person you don't even know. When they ask you, who is this? It's my brother, you know. Mm. is my sister yeah. so that is the kind of understanding because even in the bible these brothers and sisters have their own mothers if we start looking from john chapter 19 verse 25 you know there is every reason of course the name was mentioned and mary had uh, an older sister who also was mary mary the wife of clopas okay and mary magdalene now going to mark chapter 15 verse 40 there were also women who were looking at distance. Among them was Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Young, and Joseph, Joseph and Salome. Who is the who is this? Mary the mother of James the Younger and Joseph, you know. Uh-huh. And then other Marys were mentioned in John 19, verse 25. Mary the wife of Clopas, and not Mary who is the mother of Jesus. And these Marys are the ones who have those children whom people refer to as the brothers and sisters of, uh, of Jesus. Mm. As for Jude. He was also the son of Clopas and the Virgin Mary's sister, as the scripture speaks of him as a brother of James the Younger. That's Acts chapter 1, verse 13. Okay. Mark 3, verse 18 also. The husband of Mary of Clopas, you know, making a uh, blessed Virgin Mary, or rather making that Mary of Clopas the mother of James, whom people say the, the their brother. room was used in the mm. upper room, you know. Okay. So these these brothers and sisters have their mothers right in the scriptures. Mm. Are so you there? They, we can't we can't match them and say they're automatically they, the mother of uh, like Mary is their exactly. mother as well because they have their own exactly. Mother. No, okay. we cannot say that. You know, I, I think father I, in, from my own personal experience as well, even in our Yoruba culture, sometimes I find it yeah. difficult to introduce 
someone who is not from my mom but has lived with mm-hmm. me and we've been together for a while and we know ourselves i find it difficult to introduce the person to another third party as a friend or exactly this is somebody this is my yeah. neighbor like it sounds yeah. better and uh, like fitting to me to introduce the person as this is my brother even though we are not from the same mother yeah and and none of these other sons none of these other children was named or none of them was mentioned as a son of joseph hmm. okay just strictly the son none of, of them was even named yeah. only jesus was called the son of joseph you know ezekiel chapter 44 verse 2 says again and they allude that to the perpetual virginity of mary that this gate shall be shut it shall not be opened and no man shall pass through it because the Lord, the God of Israel, had entered in, in by it. Father, can you repeat that passage again? What was yeah, the quotation? Ezekiel 44 verse 2. Ezekiel 44 verse 2. Okay. This gate shall be shut, it shall not be opened, and no man shall pass through it, because the Lord, the God of Israel, has entered into in by it. Oh. You know, people use that a lot, in order to allude to the beginning of Mary. And what does it mean that no man shall pass, save that Joseph shall not know her? And what does this mean? I'm trying to read a commentary, uh, you know, uh, after that. Okay, Father. The Lord alone enters it and goes out by it, except that the Holy Ghost shall impregnate her, to use that word, and the Lord of angels shall be born of her. And what, what this means is that the gate shall be shut forever because God himself had passed through it. You know, I tried to read the commentary after that verse. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think we'll leave the rest of the objections or discussions to the question and answer section. Let's mm-hmm. move on now briefly to the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Okay. Where do we find this in the Bible and what does the assumption mean? And how is it different from ascension? Okay. Uh, I begin with that assumption. Uh, is that Mary was taken into heaven? You know, Mary was taken. This, this, this an assistant. Mary did not take herself into heaven. She was taken by her son. You know, into heaven, and then um, ascension. Jesus Christ Himself. You know, uh, went into heaven. Is, is that? I mean, Himself you know, by His own power. Um, assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary is that Mary was assumed, was taken body and soul to heaven, and this has been has been uh, taught. Uh, a long time in the church and maintained and the reasons again uh, are very the reasons again are abundant in the scriptures for example psalm 16 and that says my body will know no corruption uh-huh. you know my body will know no corruption now if christ's body will not decay why would mary's body decay christ technically got his body from mary the bones the blood is that is is that is that correct yeah you know mm. yeah so uh-huh. and then also uh, i would mo- if mary's body decays then there's going to be a, a, there's going to be i like to say there's going to be a, a, a crisis about the resurrection of jesus christ himself and his own body again this 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 uh, dogma was was uh, uh, defined by Pope Pius the 12th in the 1946 uh 1950 rather 1950 mm-hmm. And then the the foremost verse that we use for it is Revelation chapter twelve, you know, which describes the assumption of Blessed Virgin Mary. Okay. You know, uh, a woman, Revelation chapter twelve, a woman in the sky, you know, crowned, you know, with twelve stars, and then other things, you know, 
following that. Oh, okay. You know, and then we have a rich tradition of the church. In fact, the second, a second century document already talking about talking about the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. I'm saying this document before even the scriptures were collated. These documents were already there. That Mary was assumed body and soul okay. into heaven. Hmm. In fact, is it from the fifth century through the eighth, Andrew of Crete and John Damascus had clearly declared this belief and they were teaching it. Okay. And the church believed it. You know, that Mary fought that Genesis 3, verse 15. He said the virgin will crush the head of the serpent, and the last victory of the devil is death. You know, death not in terms of dying because Mary died like Christ died. Death okay. in terms of decay. You know, so mm-hmm. death itself was swallowed up in victory, and Mary manifested that just as it was already prophesied in Genesis three verse fifteen. You know, through uh, Psalm sixteen and then Revelations as well, twelve verse one. Mm-hmm. Even First Corinthians fifteen verse fifty four also speaks about it. So Mary's assumption proves what was already spoken about in Genesis three of her destroying death and destroying the serpent confirms that complete victory over the sin and death you know thank you for yeah. that father so briefly yes, yes. to hold on to a point that you said you said mary yes. died just like our lord jesus exactly. christ died um yes. i also believe yes. i i read something like that goes against that like she did not die but she was assumed body and soul so is the body the assumption now is it body and soul after she has died bodily or no, the prior church, to the, the church teaches that the church teaches that Mary died. It's called the Domitia of the Virgin Mary. She died. Okay. She died, and then she was assumed. Mm. She died. Okay. Because if Mary had not died, <laughs> even Jesus Christ himself died. Now, our Savior. Okay. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> you know. So <laughs> Mary died. I mean, it's not. I'm just like, but Mary died. She died, and then she was assumed body and soul into into heaven, into heaven. Okay. exactly okay yes. so father we spent the first 30 minutes of the podcast to have a kind of recap of the doctrines and the dogmas of mary so like i want us to now move to the practicality the application of this in our day-to-day lives as christians okay our encounter okay. with the blessed virgin mary and yeah. we encounter we encounter in the prayers of the ill mary when we pray the rosary we encounter yeah. mass as well we encounter yeah. at different times especially during devotions novenas to the blessed virgin mary is yeah. it possible just from the way i crafted my the topic for yeah. this room is it possible yeah. to pay too much attention to us such that it becomes like awkward so to say or against what the catholic church teaches has there been heresies in the past of uh, people maybe making a deity out of the blessed virgin mary out of devotion to her okay yeah uh saint maximilian kobe said never be afraid of loving the blessed virgin mary too much you can never love her more than jesus did Mm. and if anyone does not wish to have mary immaculate for his mother he will not have christ for his brother i mean that answers in a way the first part of it you know we can never we can never 
truly love her as much as a son you know loves her but that does not mean that people don't abuse it yeah in one of our catechetical classes in uh, saint louis here uh one of these days we're talking about people abusing and it's possible that people abuse it yes it's very possible you know and then we have to watch it maybe that's what some pentecostals say and then say that uh, it's idolatry for example i have not seen this before okay. when you begin to offer sacrifices to mary it's already a problem okay for example you see at the grotto calabash and then things there <laughs> then it's a problem i get it it's a problem even the church teaches us the kind of gestures that we should you know when we see the statue of the blessed virgin mary you know the uh, uh, you know a veneration yeah we know that people can be very religious and my brother you cannot hold people really because i've seen a woman rolling in front of the statue of the blessed virgin mary you know hmm. rolling and thanking you are the one that you don't know what she got from her or or, or the intercession she made for her you know mm-hmm. what testimony as big as it is you know you cannot talk about i don't know so but yes people can abuse it and it's not correct to abuse it and that's why the church gave guidelines yeah you know the actual word for adoration in the church is proskuneo i mean the greek is proskuneo is uh, is worship i mean that greek is worship but then the church made a distinction and that's why Mary is not God. We don't worship Mary as God. We don't. Mary is not God. She's not even a goddess. Mm. You know? And that's why the church made it clear with a kind of adoration or the kind of veneration that should be given, the kind of honor, to use our English word, that should be given. Latria is given to God alone. That's the worship given to God alone. And Mary mm. occupies the second place because even the angel Gabriel, God himself, honored Mary first and that's very important people say why do you honor her why shouldn't we honor her for god's sake anyway <laughs> god himself honored mary she's worthy of honor god sent angel gabriel to mary for god's sake i i, I don't know a scripture scholar but i don't think there is any because an angel coming to a woman is even a taboo in the jewish culture mm. so to say you know yeah Hagar had the vision of the angel but not in the same descriptive way as the blessed virgin mary the angel technically came to mary and began to salute mary not to reprimand mary not to call it was a salutation a salutation fit for a king you know mm. the angel came and said hail the angel even replaced the name of the blessed virgin mary to to you know when god begins a new mission with you go and read the whole scripture it changes your name changes your identity and that change of identity shows that there is something uh, uh, even ontological that has changed in you there is something fundamental that is happening here there is something mysterious if you like there is something beyond the eyes that is happening here when the angel can the angel say hail kekarito mene a name that is so great the angel did not say hail mary the angel removed mary and replaced mary with a very big exaltation so God honored Mary. And that's why the church says, we give Mary hyperdulia. Hmm. Hyperdulia. Hyperdulia. And then okay. the honor we give to saints, the honor we give to saints is a dulia. Hyperdulia is a hyperdulia, you know, okay. that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Hyperdulia. Yeah. A, a little more, a little more than, than, uh, than, than, than the saints. Even, even Elizabeth, who is a big auntie of Mary said, who am I? Who am I that the mother of the of my Lord should come to me? You know, but as currently we shouldn't have abused this and then begin to treat uh, the statue of the Virgin Mary or begin to treat Mary as a god. Okay. 
you know, I don't know if I should crack a joke here now. He's <laughs> good. A, a very funny one. A case was teaching an outstation about, she was talking about, oh, he was talking about the, you know, the intercessory role of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And this man hyped everything and then made it hyper. Okay. <laughs> Maybe hyperdulia. <laughs> Maybe it's hyper, hyperdulia. Okay. And this man was telling those children, and the man was very dramatic. You know, the children were very glued to him. And he was saying that some a man prayed his rosary every day of his life. But he was a sinner, you know, and mm. then he died. So when he got to heaven, Jesus flinked the I don't know, <laughs> I don't mm. know what that it was, you know, it's it's more done dramatically than he said. The man said, the catechist said, Jesus spins the man and threw the man into hellfire with a force. And then Mary appeared, went into hell, brought the man out Ark. and held the hand of Jesus, say, My son, be careful. <laughs> 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 you know, such stories can be hyper. Such stories are very funny. They are, they are, they are not. I mean, the man was trying to talk about the intercessory role of the Virgin Mary, but then he hyped it. You know, mm. such kind of hyping uh, might might look somehow somehow okay. strange and even wrong. Okay. You know, Mary cannot say, "My son, be careful." You know, <laughs> nonetheless, <laughs> Mary intercedes. So yes, people can abuse it. Okay, so yeah, Father, and such, such okay, abuse before such abuses, you are having the holy mass, you are praying your rosary in that holy mass. It's an yeah, abuse, yeah, it's I an abuse that, that is very lot. common. Yes, that happens a lot. Or you are having the holy mass, you have not gone to the holy mass, and you are in front of the Virgin Mary praying the rosary. Hmm. That's an abuse. You know, but like Maximilian Kobe said, we must love the Blessed Virgin Mary. Because if you, if you trace the scripture very well, Mary gave, supplied all the information, the, all the evangelists had about the birth and then the infancy of our Blessed Lord. Hmm. Wow. You know, Mary was there at the Pentecost. And some theologians even argue that it was because Mary was full of the Holy Spirit already because she's full of grace, that the Holy Spirit, you know, diffused through her as a conduit to the other apostles i mean you can argue that but mm. theologians are saying <laughs> some theologians said that mary had the novena of the to the holy spirit right at pentecost right with the apostles there she was in the upper room mary was always there oh. and that's why even christ honored her by calling her Gune, mother of the living in greek you know the one that the pentecostal said that mary uh, jesus christ was angry with me when he said mother mother a uh, woman my time has not come. That Greek word woman is very deep and powerful. It's not a rebuke, it's an exaltation. Um, Father, yes. briefly, to touch on the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, from the yes. story that you told, it was as if you yes. knew the next question I was going to ask. You know, I've heard a lot of okay. stories being told in that light about yes. something that was supposed to happen to them. Okay, I think I had a narration about a, a, someone who died and said, he was supposed to go to hell, I guess, and then mm -hmm. the Blessed Virgin Mary um, appeared, and then she was sent to purgatory, or I think it was mm -hmm. maybe from purgatory back to life. So my mm -hmm. my question is, when we hear stories like this, what is the proper attitude mm -hmm. to them? And because sometimes I feel they show God as not being um, loving. At the same time, exactly. we have to give room for the intercessory role of mary but how do we not mix it up and then paint god as the wicked one who wants to do something mm. bad to you and then mm. an angel or a saint um or most mm -hmm. especially the blessed virgin mary now comes to divert what 
God wanted to do before <laughs> and then yeah. turns it to another thing. Like, I, I know you you get the point I'm trying to make there. Yes, exactly. Uh, you said, what attitude should we have when we hear those stories should remain as stories because you can't even confirm them. So they should remain as stories, you know? And that the intercessory, the intercessory role of the Blessed Virgin Mary does not contradict the will of God. Okay. <laughs> what you have even in John chapter 2 when, uh, you know, the wine has finished, and then it was not as if Mary compelled Jesus Christ to do it. That is going to be a very wrong interpretation. And when you begin to think that the intercessory role of Mary changes the will of God, then there's a problem because that is not God. God's will does not change. Mm. God is unchangeable. When God's will begins to change, then it be, it then then it's not God because it's already limited. Okay. okay. And that's why prayer does not change the mind of God. Oh yeah. Prayer, in fact, before I used to say prayer changes, uh, prayer prayer changes situations. But Saint Teresa of uh, the child of um, uh, Calcutta, Mother Teresa, uh, you know, one of prayer changes us. Prayer changes us to accept the will of will of God. Mm. Maybe that's a story for another day. But prayer <laughs> does not change the mind of, the God. mind of God because once the mind of God, once the will of God changes, is not God. It means mm. he has forgotten, or there was a mistake. <laughs> So if you come across any of those things in the scripture, they are called anthropomorphisms. They are human castings on God. They are human appellations on God. They are human ways of speaking about God. The same way Genesis where God comes down in the cool of the evening to stroll with Adam and Eve. Does it mean that God was hot in the afternoon or God was, uh, there's no easy? You know, so all these things are anthropomorphism. They're just human ways of speaking about God. Okay. They have a limited languages about God. The will of God cannot change. God's essence and existence are the same. Yeah. Okay. So, so there's nothing conflicting about the intercessory role of Mary and then the almighty power of and God. The almighty power of God. I think that's mm-hmm. that's a good clarification that we Because Mary make. rejoices even in the will of God. In the will of God, yeah. Do whatever yeah. it tells you. Exactly. John yeah. chapter two, verse five. Do whatever it tells you. Okay. When we pray the El Holy Queen, at yes. first when I was learning about my catechesis, you know, I always feel mm. a kind of reservation when it comes to the part of ill our life, our sweetness, our hope. Then I immediately think of it. That in what may is Mary really my hope? Is Mary my life? Is that not mm-hmm. Jesus Christ? In what way do we not like uh, twist these titles of our Blessed Virgin Mary and think that they are taken away from what belongs to God or what belongs to our Lord Jesus Christ? How are we supposed to understand? Okay. All these titles and also when we look at the litany to the blessed virgin mary we see mm. some titles that when a christian looks at it you you will first say oh should this not be titles to be given to god or to our lord jesus christ why should this be given to the blessed virgin mary uh, let me answer the the regina Shelley. i'm uh, sorry the hello the queen you queen. said right yes hello the queen mother of mercy heal our life our sweetness and our hope <laughs> mary is our hope because Mary is the model of disciple, of, of, of all disciples. And that mm. quote you gave before, John 2 verse 5, yes, just takes us back to that thing. Mary is the model of discipleship. Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 3. It says, uh, uh, they say, uh, uh, your, fa- your mother and your brothers are looking for you. And Christ said, anyone who does the will of my father is my mother and my brother and my sister. And the next question is, who did the will of God perfectly? <laughs> the Blessed Virgin Mary. Yeah. So Mary, and that's what Lumen Gentium chapter 8, dedicated to the Blessed Virgin, that's what he says. 
Mary is the prototype. Mary is like, Mary is the figure. Mary is our role model. So when we say our sweetness, our hope, our life, we're not saying our hope in terms of our hope, our hope, our hope. We're saying our hope in terms of our Christian faith. Mary is an example, a perfect model of the Christian disciple, a perfect model of who we should be as followers of Jesus Christ. So I don't have any problem with it. Mm-hmm. And the, the the litany of Lepanton, if that's what I'm talking about, yes. the normal litany, because we have so many, there's nothing, yes, there's the, nothing, there's nothing yes. too big. There's nothing too big there about the Blessed Virgin Mary. Because all those lit- all those uh, exaltations have deep scriptural background. Mm. You know? Yeah. So you shouldn't feel bad. <laughs> you shouldn't feel it shouldn't feel awkward. You know? Definitely. The, did, did I answer that? Yeah, you answered it perfectly, Father. You answered it perfectly, okay. Father. Um, I think we've exhausted the doctrines of Blessed Virgin Mary and also we've been able to explain the devotion and the right attitude of every Catholic to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Should you be praying the rosary yes. at Mass or a few minutes yeah, we, to the Mass while the Mass is ongoing, you are running to the statue mm-hmm. of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And also to have it mm-hmm. at the back of our mind that intercession to Mary doesn't change the will of God. She herself submits herself to the will of God most perfectly. Thank you very much, Father, for these beautiful explanations. To those of us on Clubhouse who would love to ask Father a question or two about the Blessed Virgin Mary, the doctrines, the dogmas of the Blessed Virgin Mary that we just talked about, please. There is a, I can see that lots of those we have in the room today are on Clubhouse for the very first time. So if you want to ask questions, if you look at the um, base of the page of the clubhouse page on your phone you will see a hand symbol there not the one with two fingers that one will take you out of the room the one between the microphone and the plus sign if you click on it it will your your hand will be raised and then i can bring you up to ask your question so if you have a question please click on that now come up and ask your question shay do you have a question i invited you to speak yeah yes i do Oh, okay, please. Go ahead. Yeah, good evening, Father. Good evening. Thank you, yeah, thank you for the wonderful explanation. Thank You're you welcome. to Mr. Richard. You're welcome, brother. So I, from the perception you, you make about people misunderstanding the role of Mary as it is, I have an issue. I think it was last week. And I think my pastor complained about legionaries not attending mass and coming for meeting after yes. the mass. And a lot of people did not understand the, the where the priest was coming from. They see it as if, you know, the mass should be something, a personal race. Then your legion, in your work is something you must not miss. You know, as a legionary, there's a way you have to schedule yeah. And I, I find it so difficult. Someone was saying, okay, why will he come for mass? And in the mass, they are having a marriage or baptism. They did not bargain for marriage and baptism in the mass. <laughs> so, when you, when you tend to get it, it looks as if maybe you know to like you. We don't know anything, but this is a normal thing. So how do we get to explain to people and they see it well and get to understand the role of Our Lady? And like I was telling them, Mary would not even love. Okay. Yeah, Mr. Shane, you are very correct, and that's very true. I mean, um, 
Uh, people, yes, you're very. That example is very, very apt. But it has happened to me. Like, like I've seen it. And you know what I told them? I was very angry, and I said, "By the time I get you, it wasn't actually the Holy Mass, you know. But we're having uh, um, adoration of the sacrament. Yeah, we're having ad- we're having adoration of the blessed sacrament, and then the legionaries were having meeting. I told them that if I come out, I will hit the table and the vexillium with kata. Like I was very angry at the, and that's the truth, you know. We'll be having the 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 adoration of the blessed sacrament. People will be having choir practice." We'll be having it's completely wrong. It's wrong liturgically. It's wrong spiritually. It's wrong even commonsensically. If there is a word like that, because the focus is Jesus Christ, and once Jesus is there, everybody plus the Blessed Virgin Mary focuses, or everybody focuses on Jesus. So we shouldn't be having mass and people having having a legion meeting. That is wrong. And you should let them know it's wrong because, like the word you use, Mr. Sheyi, Mary has a place in the church. And the place of Mary is not the same place with a son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Even Mary will not be happy to hear that. She's not competing with Jesus. She's not competing. There is no competition. Yeah, the medieval spirituality, now, yeah, the, the, the medieval spirituality somehow uh, equated, you know, uh, the powers of Jesus and Mary, you know, that was a very fundamental mistake. It's heresy on its own. But we have, we have to correct that. And you have to teach them to understand. And there is no fanaticism about this one. It's, you shouldn't be a fanatic, fanatic about this. The, the Blessed Virgin Mary has a place in the church and that place is not the place of the same with God or the, with Jesus Christ. Okay. And Lumen Gentium chapter 8, again, I take you back to that place, explains in detail what the, the, the role of the Blessed Virgin Mary is in the church and every Catholic should read it. Mm, okay. Thank you very much, yes. Father. Okay. Yes. Um, Lisa, you've been blinking your mic. Please go ahead and ask your question or contribution. Thank you, Richard. Hello, Father. Hello, everyone. I was just, yes, I was just clapping and amen. And <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I was like, you know, clubhouse clapping. Okay. Yeah, um, I got that. Yeah, but thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been a beautiful talk and a wonderful, much needed subject, um, especially for our brothers and sisters that, um, and our Catholic brothers and sisters that don't understand quite the role of Mary in relationship to to God and to the church. Um, but I just wanted to, there's a couple, a couple items I wanted to share. Just, it just was coming to me. Okay. Um, is, is, is that, um, you know, again, this this hopefully will um, make sense to our Catholics who have, um, you know, are familiar with relics and the relics of the saints, you know, that a relic is um, a piece of a saint or, um, you know, being touched to a saint um, that we, um, you know, that, that we honor or whatever we um we show reverence to, I should say. Um, but we don't have a bone relic of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And that would make sense, obviously, because she was assumed into heaven. Yes. <laughs> so you don't, you don't see a reliquary with, you know, a bone fragment of the Blessed Virgin. Um, so again, that points to the truth, you know, of the longstanding truth that the Blessed Mother, you know, had died a normal, uh, not to say a normal death, but died bodily died but the, <laughs> yes. the, 
But sin didn't corrupt her. She was assumed, you know, she was so full of grace and so full of love and so full of in communion with the Holy Spirit and God that she was, yeah. you know, God brought her home, um, mm. um, preserved and intact. And I just thought it was beautiful. Um, the other thing, if I, if you don't mind, um, was my is my personal experience with the Blessed Mother. Okay. Um, I love. I love Our Lady and have, um, you know, I don't, I honor her um, just because she's been such a part of my life personally and in my family and those, um, those around me. But she has taught me, um, well, let me go back a wee bit. I won't go into all the nitty gritty details, but as a young person, I fell away from the faith. I call myself a revert because <laughs> I, I came back. Luckily, I had great foundation and formation from my mom and my dad. Praise God. And they had great formation from the brothers and sisters that taught them. Thanks be to God. So, um, But when I fell away from the faith, um, I was, you know, I was, unfortunately, it was morally corrupt. And But I knew better. <laughs> so I kept on praying and praying and everything I was doing, I couldn't break what I was doing. It really had um, a hold on me. So I remember, I remember the day and the time. It's just one of those instances in my life. I went before Jesus in the tabernacle, and I was. Uh, it was a heartfelt prayer, and I knelt down and I pleaded with with God. I was I was like, Jesus, I can't do this on my own. Please help me. So I got up. This was on my lunch break from work. So I got up, walked outside, um, and right before I left the church. There was a little table and there were some pamphlets on the table and there was a picture of the Blessed Virgin Mary on this little pamphlet and I picked it up and lo and behold, um, from that moment on, <laughs> Our Lady entered into my life in a powerful way. Um, and yeah, and uh, you know, but <laughs> so basically, but from that, she pointed me totally back to Jesus. It was kind of like Jesus was like, here's my mother. She's going to walk with you. She's going to help you. And Mary was just, and she did. And she does. And she, and at, you know, at some point she was like, here is Jesus. He's front and center. I want him to be front and center. So, you know, a true devotion to Mary always points to Jesus Correct. and the Eucharist and the church. So thank you so much for letting me share. God bless you. I'm Lisa and I'll yield the mic back. Yeah. Thank you very much, Lisa. Thank you. Thank for you so much. Lisa. That's a very correct one. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, and I love that, uh, that last, uh, I mean, that resounding statement that every true devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary points us to Jesus. That's very Jesus. correct. Yeah. That's very correct. That is just a summary of everything. Thank yeah. you so much, Lisa. Thank you very much. Okay. If you don't have any question, nobody's raising up their hand. Father, do you have any closing word for us about today's discussion? Okay. Uh, I want to thank you so much, Richard. You're doing a great job. Thank and you. I want to thank everybody for joining us and then for uh, making this discussion very beautiful. Um, um, I don't know what to say, but the Blessed Virgin Mary occupies a very, uh, a very central role um, um, in our salvation history. You know, that is very key. Uh, we didn't talk about that much, but that is very important. And we must know that. And if the Protestants, some Protestants and even Pentecostals are saying, why do you give us so much attention? We, we, we're not giving enough. And that's because we don't know yet what she did. She did a lot that the Bible had to say at the appointed time, at the appointed Galatians chapter 4 verse 4, at the appointed time, God came into human history, changed the course of the history through an appointed woman. 
not just through some random person. You know, mm. the Bible was very clear. And the pages from of the scripture from Genesis to Revelation, you could see the opening words of Genesis, you know, uh, chapter 3, we're talking about the Blessed Virgin Mary already. And then the closing in a Revelation already singing our praises as well. So Mary is just everywhere. And that is true because Christ wants her to be everywhere as an example for us. As an example for us. And let me just say this and end it there. When, if we don't hold our tight and hold that well, these Pentecostals who fight us will snatch her away from us. Mm. Okay. And that's what they do all the time. <laughs> and history has taught us that over and over again. The very first point of fight uh, or the first point of a uh, dissension between us and our separated brethren is not always the Blessed Virgin Mary. The very first point was the Eucharist. The Eucharist became a, a very serious matter right from the scriptures. Right even before, just some, some years after uh, Christ died, Eucharist became wahala. Even when Jesus was still alive, if, if you read John chapter 6 very well, it was a big issue. Then 1 Corinthians chapter chapter um, 11, it was already a crisis in the, in the, in the, in the, in the early church. Then post early church and everything, it remained a crisis. But now all the churches, all the Pentecostal churches celebrate communion service. Mm. Everything they condemned us for, they condemn Catholics for. They now do. The Pentecostal churches uphold the Trinity more than us. So if we lose the Blessed Virgin, I'm sure you will have seen Richard and maybe other persons, you will have seen the way the, the Kerubo and Seraphim yes. and the Celestial members celebrate the Blessed Virgin Mary. Yes, I've seen that. Every year in the Punch newspaper, they occupy a full central page talking about the Marian. They call it Marian Celebration. And they put a statue there and everything, a full page in the punch. Even Catholics have not done as much. We that we claim we own her, so to say, we don't own her anyway. But we that we claim that we first got the message uh, of our importance. So the point is, if we throw her away and then we don't pay attention and learn from her and let her guide and lead us just as Christ wanted. And that's why on the cross, Christ did not say, John, go and take your mother. It's not just take care of your mother. When Christ said, uh, mother, behold your son, son, behold your mother. It's a very big statement. It's not just about going to a house, going to his house to stay. Or Mary was looking for a shelter to hide. No, because Mary will now begin to lead the church and begin to support the church. So if we don't hold tight to her, these Pentecostals who are fighting us today, maybe will snatch her away at that time. Then we use us to shakara well well. Thank you very much, Richard. Thank you, everybody. Thank you very much, Father. It's an honor having you here. I'm sure we'll still see more of you in future episodes. I want to come all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. And to those of us in the room as well, this house is being recorded. This podcast was is being recorded and to be posted on our Google Podcast page, on our Spotify page, Apple Podcast. So if you want to have a second listen or you want to share it with a friend who is not here in the live room please feel free to go to google podcast apple podcast spotify just search for the catholic lab podcast and you will see the same album art that we have on this page and you can easily check out the previous episodes we've had and also this episode as well thank you very much and do have a lovely night rest we would end the room thank you, in the next couple of minutes if you want to talk now, 
unofficially please do that father please can you give us a closing prayer in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen we fly to your patronage oh holy mother of god despise on our prayers and our necessities but deliver us from all dangers whoever glorious and blessed virgin mary amen the lord be with you and with your spirit and may almighty god bless us all the father and the son and the holy spirit amen amen thank, thank you, you. Good, night, thank you much, good night everybody good night father episode this podcast is brought to you by the support of listeners like you check the link in the show notes